This is episode number 148 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Hey there, welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Standard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. This is part four of a six-part series on how to build highly effective teams. And last week, we covered step two, which was to build solid trust within your team members. This is the foundation of a fantastic team culture. And by the way, if you implement the ideas from last week, then the remaining steps, what we're going to cover this week and the next and the next are going to be much, much, much easier to implement. So this week, we're going to cover step number three, which is to reduce conflicts within your team. Actually, that's that that's a little misleading because conflict can actually be really good for a team. So really what we're going to cover this week are ways to reduce negative conflict and help you use positive conflict to grow. By the way, this episode is brought to you by leadersinstitute.com. For leadership or team building ideas, please visit the website at www.leadersinstitute.com. All right, so let's get on with today's episode. So before I start this session, let me kind of explain to you that conflict resolution in the workplace can be very, very challenging if the trust level is low or if your team is under stress. So in this episode, we're going to cover seven turnkey strategies that you can use for conflict resolution in your office, in your warehouse, you know, wherever wherever your, your team works, and it, it, especially virtually, because a lot of times now, especially in today's world, the virtual teams are more likely to have disagreements or miscommunication, that kind of thing. So these things can really, really help. So this is part four of a six-part series on the characteristics of highly effective teams. And last week, we covered how to build trust and create that team culture within your group. The focus on this session is the conflict resolution strategies and, and dealing with difficult people. So remember that these principles are kind of cumulative, meaning that the strategies to resolve conflicts work much, much, much better in an environment of teamwork. And, and if that's already there, going to be much easier to implement these. So if you find that your team members are kind of experiencing a high level of conflict, you want to back up and work on the building building trust level of, of uh, principles. And if you're having trouble there, you might want to get a more mission focused. So back up a couple of weeks and, and listen to some of those prior sessions. So let's kind of talk about the, the conflicts and how to resolve conflicts and, and really create an environment where disagreements don't cause personal conflicts. That's really, that's kind of the key because conflicts are inevitable. However, the more that we know about human nature, the better we're going to be at conflict management. In addition, when we understand human nature, we've got a better chance of, of achieving a positive outcome for both parties that are in the disagreement. So we know that different people have different priorities and different communication styles when dealing with other people. But in general, human beings have certain characteristics that are very similar. These similar we like to think of ourselves as being totally different and, and that kind of thing. But the hu human beings, the, the human race has a bunch of similarities that are that are true. They're true across gender, race, uh, socioeconomic lines, um, which is really interesting. For instance, in general, the following statements, these statements I'm going to make right now are, are 
pretty much always true. Number one, people love to be agreed with. <laughs> you want people to like you, agree with them, right? People hate to be disagreed with. We like other people who agree with us, and we dislike other people who disagree with us. You know, so you got to keep those things in mind. It, human nature is pretty simple. With if you kind of focus on a few the, those few key things, you know, people who are good at resolving conflicts tend to look for some point of agreement with that person, and and they use good people skills to get the other the other person to see a, a different point of view and that's where that that's where um, the principles that we're going to focus on really kind of kick in so if you understand human nature that allows you to resolve conflicts more positively so if those statements that i just made are true among the entire human race i mean i'm sure there are some exceptions but it's it's fairly consistent across the entire human race when we disagree with people, we are likely to raise resentment. So as a result, it might be a good idea to strengthen what I call our soft skills. A lot of psychologists call this emotional intelligence, but it's basically it's just the, the, the skills that we use in dealing with people that are non-technical in nature. So that's why we, we call them soft skills instead of the hard skills, the technical skills. So poor communication often leads to conflict. You know, for instance, if we find ourselves in a tense situation and you know, we naturally will want to raise our voice and the other party is likely to respond in kind, and that's going to usually escalate the conflict very, very quickly. It'll get out of control pretty quickly. So in situations where we have to interject like disciplinary action, if we're the manager or supervisor, the first step is to kind of understand that human nature, because we may think that we're just having a constructive conversation with that person. But if the other person or the person we're coaching feels like the, the conversation is a personal attack, they're going to, it's going to raise resentment. So, so these strategies that we're going to cover can, can help keep difficult conversations from developing into interpersonal conflicts. Uh, by the way, um, this is, that's why we started <laughs> the series with the seven ways to build trust last week because the the better we are in the prior principles, the easier it will be to make these current principles work a whole lot better. So let me give you the seven principles, and then we'll cover each one of them in a little bit more detail. So these are the seven turnkey conflict resolution strategies that, that you can use with your office. Number one, you want to be proactive versus reactive. Don't wait for the challenge to occur. Have a plan for it before it does. Uh, number two, is be slow to anger, especially over petty issues. Once anger gets into the conversation, it's it makes everything much more difficult. Uh, number three, instead of telling people that they're wrong, one of the things that you want to, may want to do is point out mistakes indirectly. We'll give you some really cool tips on how to do that. Uh, number four is you want to look for some type of common ground as soon as possible. So once you're in that conflict with somebody, look for something that you can agree on. Number five is if you're in the wrong, if you find that you're on the wrong side of the argument, make sure and admit it. And then number six is pretty close to that, but you want to admit one of your own poor decisions before pointing out a similar error that somebody else has made. Um, if, if you're trying to get somebody to create a behavior change, sometimes it's easier to say, oh my God, when I was in your situation, I did the exact same thing. Let me tell you how I screwed this up. Um, a lot of times they're, they'll believe that they've made a mistake a whole lot easier or a whole lot better anyway, if, um, if they see that other people have made that, a similar mistake. And then the last one is once the conflict is over, number seven is you want to mend fences whenever possible. So those first three principles that I mentioned are ways to avoid conflicts before the disagreement even occurs. 
Uh, numbers four through six help you resolve conflicts. And then finally, the last principle is there to help make sure that the conflict doesn't return, or if it does return, it's not as it's not as um, destructive. So let's kind of cover each one of them in just a little bit more detail. Now, I'm going to go through these fairly quickly just for, for time's sake and just so you get the, the most value out of the, the time that you're spending on the recording. But if you want more details, just go to the show notes. I'll, I'll put a link to a blog post that has all kinds of di different examples about ways to use these things. So I give you kind of the overview here and you can get going to much detail, much more detail if you um, if you click the link in the show notes. So number one, be proactive instead of reactive. Uh, the most important conflict resolution strategy is to anticipate potential conflicts and then plan accordingly. So like for instance, when a change is made within your organization or a new idea is floated to the team, you wanna ask these questions. You wanna ask yourself, okay, who on the team is likely to disagree with this idea is this idea going to cause disagreements? And the answers to those questions will allow you to you know, not be blindsided by the conflict when it when it comes up. So most often, when the conflict does occur, it doesn't it doesn't come out of the blue. You know, often if we um, if we um, if we kind of anticipate that, and especially if we don't respond in anger. You know, remember, we're human beings, too. So um, we also hate it when others disagree with us. So if you haven't anticipated disagreements, then a lot of times you'll have a propensity to overreact. So be proactive versus reactive. Number two is you want to be slow to anger. We already talked about that a couple of times, but especially over petty issues, the things that that in all in the grander scheme of things aren't going to be huge. So the heart of conflict, the very root cause of most conflicts is is anger. <laughs> we, you'll often find that anger is the trigger that that when that, that occurred to cause the disagreement to escalate. Um, the worst part about anger entering in the conversation is that it it will often escalate that conflict pretty quickly. So one person, you know, right or wrong, gets angry at the other person. And then not wanting to be outdone, the second person gets angry as well. And how, you know, going back to human nature, when the second person responds in anger, the disagreement, you know, basically, a, a lot of times, it's like, I can get more angry than you, right? So it, it, it will escalate. Um, the, the analogy I like to use here is this kind of like tug of war. I remember in elementary school that like a PE class that I was in in fourth or fifth grade, something like that. The, the coach had us compete in tug of war and there were an equal number of kids on each side on each team. And we were kind of equally balanced as well. Uh, and, and by the time, by the way, at the, at the time I was really small. I mean, I ended up playing, you know, football in high school and college and that kind of thing. So I got pretty strong but back then. I was the, probably one of the smaller kids out there anyway. And I was so I was at the top of the, the team line. I was at I, I was not anywhere close. They usually had the big kid at the back to be the anchor. I was at the front because I was the smallest. And when the coach said, go, you know, we all started tugging and our whole team slowly started moving forward, you know. I mean, we had hoped we were going to start moving backwards because that's how you win. But we were we were kind of moving forward. And eventually we kind of dug in our heels and we pulled harder and we stopped the other team's progress. And then 
once that happened, we kind of, the other team slowly started moving our way. And after a few seconds, the other team would dig in their heels and pull even harder and, and pull us to them. And this went back over and over and over again. Each time one of the, one of, one of us, either my team or the other team surged, it would be more difficult to stop that surge. Um, the effort that we used the last time was exponentially greater than the first one. Uh, and anger in a conflict kind of works in a similar way. As each side responds to the other, the anger increases and it becomes much, much, much more difficult to resolve the conflict. So one of the best conflict resolution strategies is to be slow to anger. Don't get angry. Um, look for some look for a more positive way to resolve the conflict. So number three is instead of telling people that they're wrong, point out mistakes indirectly. Um, if you allow the other person to say face, he or she is more likely to accept that that the person made a mistake. However, if you point out the mistake directly, the other person will become defensive. A good way to point out a mistake indirectly, by the way, is just to ask questions, ask an open-ended question. If the questions are, are, are asked in a cordial way, the other person is likely to, to see the mistake without taking offense. You know, for instance, Let's say that you got a team member who has turned in his report after a deadline. A poor leader will ask, hey, why'd you turn in that report late? <laughs> because at that point, that person is likely to hear um, the, the, uh, a, the, the unsaid additional part of that question, which ends with, you idiot. So why'd you turn in the, the report late, you idiot? You know, you didn't say that, but that's what the other person is kind of hearing. So instead, if you let the other person say face, it, it might work out a little bit better. So I know, hey, I know we were pressed for time for your report last week. Were you able to get it in before the deadline? Um, that strategy for resolving conflicts, it doesn't work every single time. However, in many cases, it, it, it can help someone who's made a mistake be less likely to repeat that mistake in the future because he or she is more likely to make a behavior change. All right, number four is you want to look for some type of common ground as soon as possible. So now we're getting in, into the conflict resolution principles. The, the first few principles were things that we can do to avoid getting into a conflict with somebody. This was one that after the conflict has actually started, you're already in the conflict with somebody and anger is starting to enter into the conversation. This is a way to diminish that and to resolve the conflict. So look for some type of common ground. Remember that people dislike other people who disagree with them. That was one of those human nature things that we talked about earlier. So when you're in a conflict, look for something that you can agree on. Look for some common ground as soon as you can. Good mediators use this technique quite often. What, what um, judges or people that are in the mediation industry will do is they'll put the two parties that are in a conflict in totally separate rooms, take each one of them a legal pad and, and, and say, hey, if, in a perfect world, if you could solve this conflict, what would you what would you want to get out of it? And then after both parties kind of make a list, the, the judge or the mediator will kind of look and see, okay, what's on both parts? What's on, what's, what is something that's on both of these lists? And they'll start there. They'll start with, even if it's just something really tiny, even if it's something small, if they can get both parties to agree to one thing, the ice is broken and the party's more likely to agree on additional items as well. So if you, if, if you, if you are in the process of helping two conflicting parties resolve a conflict, then if you can move them toward a common goal, you can get each 
one, to see possible solutions that neither would see on their own. And often this is a great starting point to create a more positive work environment as well. So, so look for some type of common ground. Number five is if you find that you're in the wrong, if you find that you're on the wrong side of the argument, you want to admit it. Uh, when a poor leader realizes that he or she is wrong, a lot of times they're going to try to cover up the mistake. Good leaders, though, know that to be successful, we, we often we're going to be more wrong than we're right. Um, and in fact, one of the things I always tell my classes is that if you do you realize that if you were right, just 51 percent of the time, everybody would be a multi gazillionaire. <laughs> if you were right, just 51 percent of the time. The reason that I'm more successful than a lot of people that especially folks that are in my industry, uh, especially financially, is that a lot of other folks that do what I do have not made as many mistakes as I have. I mean, I, I'm, I make a mistake and I go, oh, okay, now I know what not to do. And now I find a better way to do that thing. And so a lot of times the way that we become successful is we make mistake after mistake, after mistake, after mistake. And every time that we find one of these, make one of these mistakes or find one of these challenges, we're, look, we're finding a better way to do that thing. Um, so I, I, I like to kind of tell people that, that a lot of times we think that mistakes are bad, but in reality, it's our, it's our adaptation to those mistakes that make us more successful. So you'd be amazed how often a disagreement can be ended quickly just by one of the parties, the, one, the person that's in the wrong, apologizing to the person who was wrong. <laughs> it's really hard to keep fighting with someone when they just admitted that he or she was, was in the wrong. So if you find that you're on the wrong side of the argument, you know, make sure and confess it. A lot of times that will, that will build a lot of credibility for you as a leader as well. So number six is a really important one, and I'm going to go through it fairly quickly, but we'll probably do an entire session on this in a couple of weeks. Uh, on a, a, it'll be a session entitled um, How to Be More Persuasive. So uh, a good way to do that is to admit one of your own poor decisions before pointing out a similar error that somebody else has made. This tip is a great way to call attention to a mistake indirectly, which is one of the earlier principles. Before pointing out the mistake that somebody has made, give that person an example of, of a time that you did something in a similar way or you made a similar mistake. Um, I'll give you a good example is when I was six, um, I went into my dad's bedroom and I stole a dollar from him. <laughs> I was trying to, I was, you know, there was a store at the end of our road that had candy and soft drinks. And I figured I could run down to the store and get some treats for myself and my little brother. And of course my dad caught me and I was terrified because I knew that I had disappointed him. And it, what was funny though, was that my dad sent me down on his bed and he told me about a time that he was in the army and when he and his buddy had a weekend pass to go into town and the base that they that they were stationed at allowed the soldiers to use the jeeps to to travel into town um, as long as they returned with a full tank of gas well since my dad's buddy worked at the motor pool they decided to fill up the tank of gas when they returned and as they were topping off the tank the military police pulled up and asked them what they were doing and my dad you know told me that they took him into custody, you know, handcuffs and everything for stealing from the U.S. government. And he said that if he hadn't had an understanding commanding officer, he could have been put away in a federal prison for up to 20 years. And, and of course, being, you know, a, a, a tiny tot at the time, I mean, I got the point. It was a good way to teach me that I had done wrong by, by, Given an example of how he had done it as well. I mean, I still remember that was God, 40 something years ago, almost 
Anyway, a long time ago. It's been a long time, and I still remember it in enough detail that I can recite it back to you. All right, so the last one is what you do after the conflict has been resolved. You've used some of these principles to resolve some of the conflicts, so now what do we do? Number seven is you want to mend fences whenever possible. By the way, the easiest way to do this is to focus on those seven ways to build trust or rebuild trust at this point that we talked about last week. So if, if you don't if, if you don't rebuild that trust level, then an unresolved conflict is going to fester and it's going to return and it's going to create even a more negative impact on, on the relationship. So spend time making positive deposits into that relationship bank account that we talked about last week. And, and if you do, you're going to have a more positive attitude when interacting, when, when interacting with that person. You're going to feel better about that person. That person is going to be feel, feel better about you as well. Um, by the way, just so you know, some people get over conflicts very quickly and others tend to hold on to that anger for a longer period of time. And neither of those groups is correct or incorrect. Um, they're, they're just different. Um, the important thing to remember is that the other person may deal with disagreements differently than what you do. So you want to make sure not to hold that against them. Just because they resolve conflicts or they deal with conflicts differently than what you do doesn't mean that they're wrong. So you don't want to say, oh, my God, that person is not angry. He's acting like nothing ever happened, you know, and you're still angry. That's that's just as bad as the other person not being angry, right? So the best way to come out of these situations in a positive way is to go back with that person and begin to build the, the trust level again. Um, by the way, if you like the principles that I'm covering here, um, and you think that these principles are gonna would be helpful for yourself and, and maybe some of your team members, then I put a link in the show notes to details about our leadership development program. The program goes through conflict resolution techniques in a real step-by-step -step fashion. Um, sometimes an outside facilitator can kind of help improve communication skills and, and give you the tools to, to help your team improve their bottom line. So effective workplace Conflict resolution strategies can really help. I mean, it helps create more of a safe environment for your group, for your for your team members, and also creates a better place to work. So, if you'd like details about that, just click the link in the show notes, or you can go to leadersinstitute.com and look for details as well. All right, see you next week on High Impact Leaders. Bye, y'all.